not going to do the lengthy reading front because I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to be seated. And I don't want you to feel like you're having to stand forever, but I appreciate you standing in honor of the Word of God. But in the book of John, the 11th chapter, the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter, verses 34 through 36. As beautiful as this portion of Scripture is, it, someone is proud about at least one Scripture that they can quote. At least the majority of people can quote John chapter 11, verse 35. If you have a hard time remembering things, John chapter 11, verse 35 is your go-to. John chapter 11, beginning at 34, said, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with her, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept it was in this an emotional response it was in this emotional outpouring this act of pouring out of himself in the midst of grief that the Jews then said this behold how he loved him and God's response to death and God's response to the mourning God's response to a closed off need as he began to weep the people said of Jesus behold how he loved him I want to generalize this message today and not focus just upon Lazarus but upon us not upon a dead thing but a general things in life upon needs upon burdens cares and I want to shift the focus on how he loved him right and I want to minister if I can from the word of the Lord today from this subject behold how he loves how he loves Come on, why don't we close our eyes, lift up our hearts and our voices today. If you have a need, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to pray for the next few moments. Come on. John was truly one that had revelation and the depth, understanding and knowledge of the love of God. No one would write to the heart of God the way that John would write. No one would understand specific things about Jesus and about the revelation of his deity and the understanding of the heart of God the way that John would write. I guess that would go back to the day when the Lord had come, called the disciples out of the boat when they had toiled all night and they had 
caught nothing. And the Bible said that when Peter realized in his sin that he had, he had disrobed himself and he was out in, the, out in the boat and he was fishing and he was naked and he had no cloak around him. The Bible said that when Jesus called him and Peter swam to him that Jesus began to already be, minister to Peter's needs and minister to Peter's wants and minister to Peter's failure. But then finally the Bible said that when they looked up that John had his head rest upon the chest of Jesus he truly felt and heard the heartbeat no one would write about the love of God and the depths and the ways and the manners in which John would write about it first John the fourth chapter verses 9 and 10 and this was manifested the love of God toward us that because that God had sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him Herein is love, John writes, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to the propitiation for our sins, to, to be the atonement, to be the makeup for, to make the amends for our wrongdoing. And this was the love of God demonstrated that God would bridge the gap, that God would cover the hedge, that God would touch the space for us, that God Himself, he also writes, is love. By the definition, an intense feeling of a deep affection, a great interest and great pleasure and want for something, towards something. Scripture indicates that his love was to us before we even had existence. Before we were ever created, God had this deep, undying affection towards humanity. In Romans, Paul writes that his sacrifices were before we were yet sinners, that in that he had commanded his love towards us. His, his love was already spoken in our direction. His love was already spoken for our lifetime. His, already, his love was already demanded for our individual Bodies, our individual souls, our individual existence before the foundations of the world were even created. I want to talk to you about his love, his saving love in John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That saving love according to John the 15th chapter that he would willingly lay down his life for a friend shows that there is no greater love than this. That is a saving love of God that God himself purchased the church with his own blood, his own sacrifice to save us from our sins. His powerful love as Paul writes in Romans the 8th chapter verses 36 through 39. As we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That powerful love that was I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor power nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from that powerful love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord there is nothing stronger in this world than the love of God there is nothing greater in this world than the love of God because his love is securing Zephaniah the third chapter of the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty and he will save and he will rejoice over thee with joy and he will rest in his love he will joy over thee with singing. Jude would even command the scriptures in his securing love to keep yourself in his love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you life. That securing love that God has for you to rest and abide. David talked of his never-ending love. How priceless in the 36th Psalm is your unfailing love, O oh God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And as Jesus stood outside of the sepulcher, as he stood outside of the grave in which they had laid his friend Lazarus, Jesus begins to weep. And they noticed then the emotional connection that the Lord had towards humanity.
And they said this, Behold how he loved him. One of the things that I often reference to people when counseling, especially with relationships and with marriage. Dr. Chapman wrote a book back in the 80's talking about the five love languages if you've never read it he basically breaks down the generality of love as given by God and humanity that love is expressed in five specific ways love is expressed in time touch, gifts words and service these are five Specific, not general ways, but specific ways that love is not only expressed, but love is received. You see, we demonstrate and we receive love and we, this is how we show and receive it. And we all receive it differently because to somebody being told that they are wonderful and that they're special and that they are loved and that they are that they are thought of, that these words of affirmation are something that someone takes to heart and they know it, that they are truly loved by this individual. Someone may feel that when someone gifts them roses or candies, that they are gifted with things that they've wanted or desired, that gifts are what makes them feel that they are loved. This is how they feel that they are receiving love from someone because you have made me feel that I am special. You have made me feel that I am something to you because you either speak to me the way that I want to be spoken to, you give me things that I want, or you spend time with me, or, or maybe that you put your arm around me, or you gently graze my hand, and you grab me by the hand, and you parade me through Walmart or through the streets, and you refuse to let me go, and you hold me close, or maybe it's just because you do something for me that I need done. You, you take out the trash, or you wash the dishes, or you clean the car, you make sure that you take out care of little things in my life that I need to be taken care of to show me. But just because you receive love a certain way doesn't mean that you in turn show your love that way. Maybe you're not good with your words even though you want to hear it in yourself how much you are loved. You, you, you're not good with words yourself and so because you can't say I love you the way that you, they, they need to hear it. Maybe, maybe you can't say how much you care the way that they need to do it. You, you go out and you buy lavish things because maybe words of affirmation aren't the way that you speak your love language. What's important is knowing the other person's Love language, according to Dr. Chapman. Because the way that you speak it might be in gifts and in acts of service, but maybe they need touch. Maybe they need time. And if you're too busy buying them gifts, but you're not spending time with them, as much as you gift them, they still feel inadequate. As much as you gift them, they still feel that they have no place. Why? Because at some point, languages must be understood. Here is something about God that we don't understand. He expresses His love in all five of these ways. And some of them do not compute to us. Because we do not know how to translate love to him we, we get so stuck in an earthly mindset that we forget the eternal God of glory deserves time deserves words of affirmation the God of heaven he deserves gifts the God of the universe deserves acts of service in fact in His Word, according to His words, and as we demonstrate these types of love, these, these are ways that we do it. And yes, He does desire touch. See, it's just our way of showing love. It's not just our way of receiving love. It's His way of showing 
and received him. Because we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands the burdens that you carry. He understands the steps that you walk. He understands the trials of your faith. He understands the hardships of life. And because he is moved by the emotions, we need to understand how he loves because he has a powerful love. Because he has an everlasting love. Because he has a securing love. Because he has a saving love. As Jesus gets word from Bethany that his friend Lazarus is sick. He immediately begins to send words to bring comfort. Tell them the sickness is not unto death. Didn't mean that it wouldn't go through death. But he didn't say it's not going to be unto death. The purpose of his coming was that we would have life. And that we would have it more abundantly. Life and life more abundantly. And when you've put your faith and you have put your trust and your confidence in God. And all you can hear and understand that that death is not the ending with him. It's grievous to us when we face it. It's grievous to him to see what it does to us. That's why Jesus wept. It not only hurt him to see what death can do to people. It hurts him to see what it can do to people's trust in him concerning it. I don't want any of you to ever question if God loves you because that's not a question. That's a falsification of truth. He loves you because he is love. He loves you because he's your creator. He loves you because he's your savior. He loves you because he's done everything that he can do in your lifetime to show you that he speaks languages of love. How many of you have been touched by him? How many of you have been blessed by him? How many of you have been given gifts by him? How many of you have had words from him? How many of you have spent time? I'm going to tell you, he demonstrates his time with you. He demonstrates his touch to you. He demonstrates his affection because his love is never in question. I want you to behold how he loves. Jesus gets word. And so they're asking him to come. See, a lot of times people feel that time means imminence. Time means at that moment. But sometimes you have to wait for things. Sister Warbington and I live a very hectic schedule. And there are things that so many times has to, get, has to wait to get done. you understood how much working in this church means to us how much loving this people means to us how much seeing this church be ministered to means to us seeing how much you are cared for means to us seeing how much having a wonderful place for you to worship means to us I don't want to be too just you, it, it, you don't need to be all up in anybody else's grave. But, but you know what? When we have to sleep on the couch. When we have to sleep on the couch because our bed has laundry piled up on it. From days of doing laundry that we haven't even had, had time to fold yet and put up and get put into places because you know what's more important as soon as we get home and we get clothes out of the dryer that we're at the church. You know what's more important than folding laundry? Making sure that we're at the hospital to let you know that your pastor loves and your pastor cares. It's, you see, it's not a burden to us. It's a joy that we have. And because it's a joy, it, we don't mind. We trust me, we don't mind not doing the dishes. 
Sometimes not doing the dishes becomes a game. How high can you stack the pots in the sink before somebody realizes the leaning tower of pots is going to fall over and make a mess in the kitchen before it needs to get done? And when it gets out of hand for Sister Worthington and I and handle, you know, we just pay someone to come and do it. That way we ain't got to mess with it. Which is also a blessing because, because I saved her from grief and she saved me from losing my Holy Ghost. See, sometimes we measure God's love based on time. But you have to realize that time showing up is different being time spent. He never leaves you. He doesn't forsake you. I think you need to count it a blessing that when you called upon him, even if it seems like it was four days late, he lets you know, I'm going to be there. He lets you know, I'm going to show up. He lets you know, I'm not going to let you go through it alone. He lets you know, you're not going to carry it by yourself. I'm going to show up. And you know what? When he says he's going to show up, he shows up. Because he said, I shall arise with a shout. See, it's a, it's a statement of fact. He's bound by the letter of the law that when he gives a promise that he will hold himself to it. See, John is very carefully writing out the testimony of Jesus, showing seven signs that pointed to Jesus being the Messiah. The first was in John, on the second chapter when he changed the water into wine. The second was the healing of the official son in John the 14th, fourth chapter. And the third was the healing of the invalid in chapter five. And six was the feeding of the multitude. And six was also, the seven was walking on the water at the end of chapter six. Seven was the healing of the man born blind in John chapter nine. And then Jesus stands in front of a grave where they have put a stone in the way because his friend Lazarus was sick. When Jesus said it's not unto death and Lazarus dies, people just began to put things aside and began to say, well, I guess he doesn't love. I, I guess he doesn't care. I guess I'm not as close to him as I thought I was. I, I guess the church really didn't care about my needs uh, because they didn't come immediately when they called. Uh, I, I, I guess I really wasn't special in his eyes. I, I guess I really didn't mean anything to him. I, I guess we weren't uh, what, we, what I thought we were. And then all of a sudden you begin to write God off. You, uh, uh, you begin to write God off in your life and I said, well there's no reason to prioritize being in the house of God because every time I'm there I don't feel it I guess it's okay to switch churches and jump ship because every time I'm there I, I, I feel like something's being pricked out of me and I, I need to feel good with who I already am and I don't have to change for nobody and well, I'm going to write God off because the preacher's too hard or he, 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 he's not gracious enough he, I don't feel like I'm being fed and you got all of these issues and you're putting it in. You're putting it in and you're writing God off. I want to tell you, sometimes when God is trying to do a work in your life, sometimes things are going to hurt you to cause you to put yourself on the line to believe for something. I'll tell you why so many times the preaching of the word offends us. It's because we're lives, our lives aren't generally lined up with the Word. And I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, I'll read the Word. And it hurts sometimes because I realize there are some things. Because let let's just point it out there. Jesus ain't standing behind this pulpit preaching to people. Humanity is standing behind every pulpit in the United States of America and around this world preaching to people. Flesh is standing behind every pulpit across America preaching to people. And flesh has always stood behind the pulpits across America and preached to people. Every pastor is a human. Jesus Christ has not manifested himself in flesh standing behind pulpits across the United States of America today. And so when the word is preached, it pricks us as it should to be better, to do better, to respond, 
to want more. Because when you look at yourself, you don't stand before God and say, well, I, I think I'm okay doing this. You don't stand before God and say, well, I didn't feel that that was wrong. I wasn't convicted over that. Because if you have to justify your feelings or your affections or your convictions, then something's already out of place. If you have to try to justify your feelings or your emotions or your convictions about things that you don't necessarily feel are right or wrong and you feel like you could stand before God and if you don't have to say, well, I don't think. You're already questioning something that you are worried that the Lord is going to look at and say. See, we have a tendency when God does not show up in our time and in our flesh to write him off. And so they began to deal with things as they normally would. And I, I, don't, I don't blame them for it. I don't, I don't blame them for taking Lazarus and, and putting him, Brother Allen, in, in, in burial clothes. I, I don't blame them for disposing of the body, Sister LaCarol, because you know, nobody wants dead things just hanging around their life. My papa and my dad and I, we, we were... Um, Looking at some tools that we were going to need for this building because my papa don't have a nail gun and we're we're going to the Lowe's and we're we're gonna we're, we're pricing stuff because you know we're just gonna make sure that we're doing all this stuff. But we're we're sitting down and 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 we're at Popeyes and we're talking. Well, actually, I'm eating. They're talking because I hadn't eaten all day and so I'm I'm scarfing my face down because I'm trying to get things done in a hurry because I'm still technically working. But don't tell my boss that. Anyway, um, so we're. We, 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 were, we, were, we were sitting there and we were talking about um, uh, Brother Eddie. Uh, Papa had even men, made mention of you like, coming in. Um, sometimes at Christian Life Center would sit down behind them and worship them. I hope they play something fast. Because the hours had been long and the nights had been long. And, and you, were, you were in the house of God and you were, you were needing something. And we were talking about death and we were talking about grief. And, and they began to talk. My dad was talking about and my grandfather was talking about when they were younger. that they, In Louisiana, they would put the body in the church and then let the body stay there for a couple of days. And, and people would come in and they would sit up. I guess that was all good until Rafe Stevens wrote that song about sitting up with the dead. And then all of a sudden, it, it changed. No, nobody wants to just hang around dead things. To some people who can't handle it because a lot of us don't, don't, don't have the time with it like, like Brother Pennington does. and he, He's used to it, but in, in, in what he does, he's used to having to comfort people who, who don't know how to handle loss. Uh, I, next time you, you, you see him and he's having to tell him thank you because he has to go and he has to face families in, in very difficult situations and before a minister can bring comfort to a family he's just here, I'm here to take care of you because the average person does not know how to handle grief and loss and we can't handle dead things just being around I, I don't blame Mary and Martha for making those plans I don't blame them for having, but I, I do know that it hurts when they had every hope and every feeling once they had a word from God because God does not fail us. I don't, fail, I don't fault them because God's word does not lie. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man, Brother Brandon. The Bible says in Numbers that he should repent. God's not like us. He doesn't come short. He doesn't leave us hanging. He, he doesn't call us out to just let the ground fall out from underneath our feet. He's not going to speak hope and then let you live in despair. He's not going to speak redemption and let you live in condemnation. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. I don't fault them for believing the word of God that the sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God. But I do understand what you misunderstand. Time. And he shows up and it's four days later and all of the bad things start setting in and, and they're worried about that. Well, there's no hope for a miracle now. Jesus shows up and they say, well, if you would have just been here, we wouldn't be grieving the way that we do. You wouldn't be understanding it the way that we are seeing. And as he begins to speak comfort 
And he begins to speak and minister to Mary. And he begins to speak and minister to Martha. He's calling them out. He's, he's calling Mary out of a place where she's sitting in a house and she's being comforted in her sorrow. I want you to come out and I want you to see God do a work. Oh, I want to preach a little bit. I'm going to tell you, it may not be the best time in your life right now, but God wants you to get out of your house and he wants you to come to a place where you can see God work. Uh, it's not time for you to stay at home and fall back on the things that God wants you to see. He wants you to be in the house where you can receive comfort. He wants you to be in the place where God is getting ready to speak to needs. Whoa! He wants you to be in the place where God can speak to your miracle. Oh! He wants you to be in a place where you can receive a word from glory. You may have given up on some things. Uh, you may have already fallen some words uh, on deaf ears and thrown them to the side but I want to tell you right now, God's word does not return empty and void. And he said, it's not unto death. I want you to take me where you've laid him. I want you to take me where the need is. I want to expose my work to you. You got to stop holding your heart back from him. You got to stop hiding your need from him. And you got to let him have it all. We sing songs like you're worthy of it all. I'm glad we don't sing you're only worthy of some. Because that would be more in tune with some of the people of God live today. You're only worthy of some. I don't want to put on a show. I don't want to make it look like I'm something that I'm not. But I want to give him everything that I can give him while I've got the time to give it. I want to show him that I love him every time. Why? Because this is how he loves. He showed up. He begins to speak words of affirmation. Did I not tell you that your brother shall live? Did I not tell you? And then he begins to affirm the words of his affection. Your brother shall live again. Yes, Lord. And the great day of the resurrection. No, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. I want to tell you, some of you have given up on your situation. And you've started to give up on God. But the life of your situation is in Him. Why do you think we try to pull stuff out of you that you feel uncomfortable to give? It's not because it's past your time. It's not because you're too old to praise. It's not because you've gotten too complacent. It's because there is resurrection power inside of him. There is life in him. There is hope in him. There is joy again in him. There is peace in him. Because this is how he loves us. Where have you laid him? God is not going to just kick down the door. He says, behold, I stand in the door and I knock. He's not going to come in and hold you at gunpoint or at shepherd's staff point, however you would like to picture it with him, and tell you, give it to me. No. Because if you had wanted to give it in order to receive, you would have given it already. Where have you laid him, Sister Warburton, if you want to come? Oh, I want to preach to somebody today. I want to preach to a church that needs a touch today. I want to, I'm preaching to a church right now that is, that is wanting more from the hand of God. And, and not to just be comfortable, but to live and to have joy. Where have you hidden the need? Where have you put the dead thing? Where, where have you tucked it away and, and put it in your life where it's begun to grow and uh, 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 grow stagnant and, 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 and begin to uh, stink and begin to fester and begin to boil over, begin to be a sore? Where, where you put it so far down deep in your heart, it becomes a sore. It's, oh, don't touch pastor. Don't talk about that. And it hurts so bad that when pastor begins to preach about it, you begin to get offended over it. And we're talking on Wednesday nights about the bait of Satan and what to do. You see, it's not necessarily the pastor's hurt you. It's that that thing has hurt you. And when pastor begins to preach on that thing becoming healed, you would rather it be a sore in your life. And you get mad at the pastor because he's talking about it.
Jesus. When they come down where Jesus was and they saw him, they fell down and they began to worship him. My, my brother had not died if you had been here. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and then the Jews that were with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled because it hurts when you see the effect It hurts when you see the effect of what time will do to people who have given up. Where have you laid him? It hurts to see the effect of death. It hurts to see the effect of abuse. It hurts to see the effect of alcoholism. It hurts to see the effect of lives that are broken because of relationships that could be mended. It's hard to see the effect of depression. It's hard to see the effect of pain in someone's body when they won't worship, when they won't pray, when they won't come to church, when they won't believe, and when they won't try. He groaned in his spirit and he began to weep. And Sister Pam, the people said, how he loved him. I'm going to tell you right now, it grieves him in the Holy Ghost. It grieves when you've got the potential of a lifetime at your, at the, at your grasp and you throw it away and you discard it because there's something hurting in your life. It grieves when there's opportunity for peace and for joy and you discard it because of the hurt that is hidden in your life. It's too sensitive. You don't want to touch. Don't talk about it, Pastor. Don't preach about it, Pastor. It's too hard, Pastor. It hurts too much, Pastor. You're too rough, Pastor. Sister Clement, they said, how he loved him. When he was groaning at Mary and Martha's response, he was groaning at the people's hurt. How he loves. How he, it's how he loves. He loves you in that same dynamic. He loves you in that same measure. He wept at the sight and at the response of death. He wept at the sight and at the response of loss. He wept at the sight and the response of brokenness. He wept at the sight and the response of something that came short to what he had hopes and plans for. He said his sickness was not unto death. And they're burying things. They're awaiting a word. They're burying potential. Talk about potential. The Bible says that the Lord gives us a parable and he talks about a man, a master that gives three servants talents and he, he gave one, one and another three and another five and he says, I want you to take it. I want you to do something with it. I want you to go and I want you to make it. And the one that he got five, he goes on and he begins to work and all of a sudden it begins to double and the other one that was given three, he, he goes and he begins to work and it begins to double and it begins to grow and then the other, he, the one that had one, he says, well, all I had was one and I, 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 I didn't want it to, to, to fall apart. I didn't want to try to make plans for it I, 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 I didn't want to go out and I didn't want to waste it and so I buried it and I hid it and I thought that that was the best place for it because as long as it's there it's safe and I can watch it and I keep my hands on it but as long as it's there it can't grow as long as it's there it can't be what he wanted it to be as long as it's there it's just going to stay there buried and broken and dirty So he cast him away. And he gave it to the one in whom he gave five. He groaned and he wept. And all they could say was how he loved him. And then they began to question, if he had been here, could not this man have lived? If he would have just showed up, could not Lazarus have lived? He could have kept this man from dying. Yeah, we all know the what ifs 
but we're talking about what God allowed to happen so that His name could be glorified. We're not talking about the time in your perception of time. We're talking about the time in God's understanding of time. That nothing is without of His realm of possibilities if you are going to trust Him with it. So now Jesus is having to call for things to get removed that shouldn't even be in the way. How many of you have things in your life that are a separating piece, separation thing that shouldn't even be there, but you've allowed it there as a safeguard for the things that didn't happen? It's a safeguard because what didn't happen and you wanted it to happen. And so you know what? You said, I'm just going to protect myself. And I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow God to hurt me. And I'm not going to allow hand, man to hurt me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to keep myself at a safe space, a safe distance. It's old song they used to say, why not trust God again? Why did you ever stop? Why, why does it have to be so offensive when pastor preaches? Why does it have to hurt so much when the word comes forth and it's strong? Because you know what? There's something sensitive there that hurts. But you know what? What happens when something hurts and it's sensitive, Brother Carl? The more that you keep touching it, the more that you keep anointing it, the more that you keep covering it, the more that you keep attending to it, the more that you keep acknowledging that the hurt is there, the less sensitive that it'll be. And you know what happens, Sister Pam? It heals. And so Jesus says, take away the stone and let me bring life back. That's how he loves. That's the measure that you're not without hope. All you have to do is give him access. Woo! Yes! You're not without potential, but you've got to allow him a pathway that his power can be revealed. You're not without a miracle, but you've got to expose where the hurt is and say, speak to it. Speak to it. Preach to it. Minister to it. And as Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes bound in the burial clothes. But he's still walking out of a place where he shouldn't have been. Out of a place where only God can work in death. But he is the resurrection and the life. He is. Oh, I'll feel the Holy Ghost. Stand with me this morning. For with God, no thing is impossible. But it is us that determine that he has limits, possibilities, when no thing is impossible. The only thing that God will not do is remove the stone so that your need can be exposed. You see, he shows up with his touch. He shows up with his words of affirmation. He shows up with his time and his attention. He shows up in his acts of service because he was requested to be there. And the gifts only come when the needs are exposed. Lazarus, How he loves. And I'm going to tell you right now, he loves us the same way as he did then. 
He still walks into our mess the way that He did then. He still waits for us to take things from the grave that we have buried there. He still waits for us to move the stone. So He said, I'm waiting for those miracles that I promised you when you were a teenager to come back. I'm waiting for those things that I promised you when you were a young Mary to come. I'm promising you some things right now. I'm promising you some things right now. And the Lord says, move the stone and let him come forth. Yes. Come on, why don't we close our eyes, lift up our hands towards heaven right now all over the house. Now would be a good time to open up your heart. Now would be a good time. Now would be a good time to reveal some deep things. Now, now would be a good time. Come on, you're a miracle in the making right now. You're a miracle in the process. You are safe within His secure and His eternal and His powerful and His keeping love. These altars are open if you would like to come and take some time to pray. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. Don't count yourself off right now. She came what and changed God wants to do in your life. Don't mark yourself off, off the list glory. that you lost all favor or, or, or potential with Him. I now is not the time to say, I'm not worthy any longer. Now is not the time to say, God, you failed me. Now is not the time to say that I, I messed up too much. Now is not the time to say that it can't happen now. It's not the time. Now, remove the stone. I believe in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. And just see how He loves you. Offer your glory. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and made me a testimony. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and changed me. Offer your glory. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and made me a testimony. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and changed me. Offer your glory. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and made me a testimony. So glad I don't look like what I have been through. I can't imagine my life without you. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and changed me, all for your glory. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and made me a testimony. I'm so glad I don't look like what I have been through. I can't imagine my life without you. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and changed me, all for your glory. I believed in miracles, but never thought that I'd be one. But you came and made me a testimony. I'm so glad I don't look like what I have been through. I can't imagine my life without you. I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. 
you came and changed me all for your glory I believed in miracles never thought that I'd be one but you came and made me a testimony I'm so glad I don't look like what I have been through I can't imagine my life without you I believed in miracles never thought that I'd be one but you came and changed me all for your glory yeah. I believed in miracles never thought that I'd be one but you came and made me a testimony I believed in miracles, never thought that I'd be one. But you came and changed me, all for your glory. I believed in miracles, but never thought that I'd be one. But you came and made me a testimony. and it's going to register with everyone. I was telling Sister Warbington this yesterday. I said, I really feel that there's going to be a breakthrough that happens one day when someone realizes the power of the words that are written. I believed in miracles. Never thought that I'd be one. So you didn't have mind, eyes opened. So you didn't have ears unstopped. So cancer didn't fall off of your body. So you didn't get up and start walking out of that wheelchair. No. But when I think of the mercy and the grace that has been bestowed. I shouldn't be here now. I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. I'm glad I don't look like what I've gone through. I'm glad I don't wear 